Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. See, Graham, what's good? And we return with another edition of Views from the Clutch. As always, we'd like to take a moment out to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. If you would like to join us, you can do so by following us on any of the podcast hosting platforms you're familiar with, Spotify, Apple Music, etc. Reach us directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Instagram and Facebook. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm I'm pulling up my stat sheet right now. We got a lot of live games going on. Um, mm-hmm. Welcome back, C. Grant. How's everything? Everything's good. Can't complain. Just a little, little uh, getting over this little cold, but other than that, everything's good. Yeah, speaking of that, I hope everyone out there is keeping safe as we approach the year end. Um, a couple of friends of mine actually happened to um, come across this new strain of COVID, so everybody be safe. As you make your movements or as we get ready to transition into 2024, this is probably our year-end episode, um, which is usually a signal that the NBA season is about to really start to ramp up because teams are now being put in a position where they can kind of look at themselves in the mirror and get an idea of what type of adjustments and tweaks need to be made. Um, the deadline has now passed for off-season contracts that were signed to now become tradable. And... Um, with the NBA shaping up the way it is, it looks like now is the opportunity for teams to either decide that they're good where they're at or they're going to get involved in the arms race. Um, and with that being said, let's start with the New York Knicks. Do you feel like the Knicks are pressed to make a move considering they got the injury exception for Mitchell Robinson and he's pretty much been deemed out for the season and, you know, they want to compete. I mean, I'm not saying they, they they're just content with being a middle of the pack East team, but the Knicks, Tom Thibodeau, New York City, that team wants to win and they want to try to give themselves the best possible chance to win every year. I'm starting to believe they're they're moving towards that energy. Do you do you get that vibe from where they're at as a franchise, where y'all at as a franchise? Say that one more time. Do you feel like the Knicks are content to just let things be how they are or are they gonna try and do their best to try and win? Do you think that I they're think, in that mode now? No, I, th- I definitely think the Knicks are. They, the Knicks want to win. I think they've been. They're going to be mid pack until they feel like they need to make a splash. I, th- I really think that because they have a lot of the similar type players, and that's just the middle of the pack. So if they're, I just don't see where exactly they're going to make their trade that makes the most sense for them. I think they they kind of need a a solid. You know, big man, now that Robinson's out, um, a consistent big man, maybe even a, a floor spacer if possible. But they also need some um, – they kind of really need a, a, a really a third scorer because they don't have – they don't have that. They don't really have a consistent third scorer. You have Randall – you have quickly at times, but I feel like sometimes they don't let – they don't play all three of them at the same time. It just depends. Like Tibbs' style is – um. It is very weird. I think the Knicks are missing something. I just don't know what it is at this point. And I don't know if they – I don't know if they – what are they going to trade to get that? I don't know if there's a player out there. I mean, we can name, you know, guys and say, yeah, put this guy here and the team does this. They put this guy there and the team does that. I feel like if the Knicks make a move, it's going to be for a player that we weren't expecting and we didn't really know was available. Or if they were available, it didn't seem likely 
that the Knicks would be in play to get him. Like I see because of the type of assets and players that the Knicks have, that they're one of those teams that can be involved in a like two, three, four team trade deal where players they want are getting plucked from multiple places and the players that they have are being sent multiple places to facilitate those, mm. those trades. So I think like that's where the Knicks are. And because when you're a team like the Knicks, where, you know, you're a poster team for the NBA, and we've spoken about this before, there are certain teams in the NBA that, like, other teams don't like even being publicized or known to be doing business with. Yeah. You know? Like, you know, like, it's one thing to do a trade with the Raptors. It's another to do a trade with the Knicks. Mm-hmm. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be more scrutinized. It's going to be more attention paid to it. There's going to be a reaction from a, a fan base that is one of the largest in the world. So you don't want to be that guy who you don't want to be that first guy who finally gets bamboozled by the Knicks because usually everybody's saying that the Knicks is on the losing the trades. So now if the Knicks actually start pulling off and, and that's pretty much what they've been doing through free agency and minor signings and draft movements, they they kind of like turn the corner on how you perceive their front offices um, qualifications. I think the I think the Knicks do have assets. It's just again, it's really hard to look from a one to one or even a two to one perspective and say like, all right, they need to trade with this team and that'll that'll be what it what it has to be done. You know, and like I was saying before, like you could throw Joel and beat in your mind onto the New York Knicks, but right now with where they're at, I would be hard pressed to see Philadelphia being able to or wanting to move anybody, especially of that caliber. No. So you know those guys that make an instant franchise change. They're not likely directly routed to New York. Well, no, of course. So it's like, okay. They, I agree, thousand percent. Because the Embiid, when James Harden trade went, if Embiid, I felt like it was going to get moved, and that would have been the time to move him. But the fact that... And he wasn't really eligible to be moved. Exactly. So, you know? And then they started winning, too. And also, Maxi stepped up. So now it's mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, we're winning. Maxi stepping we up. We're a piece away. Yeah, we're a piece we, away. We need to be... Can, we need to be buyers instead of sellers. So they have to now. They're going to be in the market where people thought losing out on James Harden, they would be sellers. But no, they're they're buyers, and that's what also was going to be interesting with these this trade deadline because you're gonna there's going to be some teams that are going to be players. There's always a surprise trade, but there's always mm-hmm. some player that we don't know what's going on. And but also the health wise because. You know, everybody talked about like Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan from moving from the Bulls, but Levine is still out, right? If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then um, DeMar still is playing, but I really feel like if Chicago's going to be sellers, I feel like they're looking to trade both guys at the same time. They're not looking to keep, oh, we're going to trade one guy and we're going to hold to the other. I think they're looking at it from a standpoint of we're getting rid of both of these guys as soon as possible. And we prefer Here's to get Here's the them. funny thing, though. Chicago started winning. They went on a little five-game win streak or something along those lines, and now they've they kind of like leveled off in the last ten games. But this is why. But this is without. But they're Levine, back, right? right? Exactly. So now that front office, which we know is very bipolar, but mm-hmm. there are things that develop while Levine has been out that they've been kind of waiting for. They've been waiting for, and I'm going to speak on something that I just want to say for positive energy-wise, so I'll get to it in a second. But um, Kobe White has finally kind of developed into a a full-time NBA player. Like, he's found his niche. He's a very good shooter. 
Um, he's not a get to the basket type of guard. So mm-hmm. he's not going to be in this era, like a really good distributor because, you know, he doesn't have that in-between game where if he gets by you, you know, you're going to be have to worry about his floater or him finishing mm-hmm. really strong for them. He's, he's effective when he does take those chances, but he's a really good shooter. Yeah. And, and he, he's, he's kind of shown that. And that's mm-hmm. kind of kept them afloat with a lot of the guys. Patrick Williams randomly decided to play like the high draft pick he always was. Even though he's still an undersized power forward, he's managed to, you know, do what he's needed to do to keep them in game. So now they're at the play-in level. So they're doing that without Zach Levine. And mm-hmm. then you say, all right, well, now that we've got a team, because remember, I don't think Zach's numbers ever really changed with Zoe in or out of the – maybe his efficiency. Yeah, I, was, I would like say what that. He does, what he does and what he brings to the court, it didn't change because Zoe got hurt. Chicago didn't get better because Zoe got hurt. Exactly. And because you couldn't replace what Zoe didn't bring to the table because he's hurt, you couldn't win. Mm-hmm. So now it seems like they're, they're starting to find that mix of players that kind of like make up enough for it. But then remember, Chicago's also bipolar. They did this last year. You know, they'll lose eight games, have a really bad record, and then win, you know, 14 out of the next 20. And it looks like maybe they could be competitive. I don't know. I think – if Chicago far, I don't know. I just don't know. I, I see. I can see Chicago deciding just from a business sense, yeah, let's trade and blow things up because we want to blow things up. But I can also be see them being foolish and holding on to their hand a little too long. Because remember, DeMar DeRozan is a ticking asset. Mm-hmm. But he stops being an asset right after the trade deadline. Exactly. Now he's an expiring contract. And it's pretty much a given he's not coming back. Of course not. So if you've got that hanging over your, your franchise, are you willing to say that one possible playoff run, three, two, what, what do you get in the playoffs? You get two home games? Uh, yeah, I think. But two I, additional? Yeah. But personally, I think Chicago's window is closed for that. I think if they're smart, move on. Because with the, with the roster you have, even if they're fully healthy, they're not propelling you into – the second round of the playoffs, they they're not going to move the needle. So it's not as well, you know what? Well, I think they I think they accept that they're not competing for you know. Like but that's why you don't keep. That's why you don't keep your your you don't keep them. You get rid of them. But do you keep enough players that you're still competitive to be a quote unquote playoff team with the hope that with what you've traded out, you can acquire what you need to ascend. You get what I'm trying to say? I, like, I they have to go for draft picks and young talent. I think that's what it, what it amounts to. If they're going for draft picks and young talent, that's a blow-up. Yeah. You can't keep anybody on your team over the age of 26, or you shouldn't keep anybody really good over the age of 26 on your team if you're going the the draft picks. and, 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 and I, But I think up. that for the Bulls, that would make the most sense <laughs> because you think, okay, get rid of Levine, DeMar DeRozan, um... What you Vucevic. Vucevic, right? That's that's mm-hmm. your top three scorers. Those yeah, are all, and then all remember, those guys are but, over twenty six. So is Caruso. Yeah, you gotta and get rid of. Yeah, I've you've seen, got like you got three really players good. on your roster. You got you got who is it? Io Io Desomo. He's a yeah. He's, he's a, a like second, second year, player. year player. Uh-huh. Patrick Williams. He's yeah. a recent draft pick, so he's Kobe probably, White. Kobe White. And those are your those are your young guys. Yeah. 
everybody else you're 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 either making available or or they're quote unquote expendable. I hate to use that word, but yeah, literally, you know what they become. Yeah. So you got Tory Craig. He, he he's thirty three. You got uh, Andre Drummond. He's thirty. You're getting you rid got, of all of them. You got to get rid of all of them because they don't. You got hold. Kobe White, who's twenty three. Patrick mm-hmm. Williams, who's twenty two. Dalen Terry, who I I can't say I know anything about to speak mm-hmm. negatively or positive, but he's six seven. Um, Terry Taylor, who's twenty four. Adam Sonogo, who went to UConn, six nine kid. Um, Julian Phillips, who went to Tennessee. These are all guys who are like we, we don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Just be perfectly honest with you. Um, who else? Uh, Javon Carter is twenty eight. Somehow he wound up on Chicago. I guess he got there in the offseason. Owner Ralph Bidham, whoever this guy, he's 24. And, and you got Lonzo Ball, who's 26. And this is why I want to tell him with that. Um, they have announced that Lonzo Ball will be advancing to running activities in the coming week. So I am keeping a hopeful eye on his development because his story and if he's able to actually, I don't want to say anything about him returning and being the player that he was because the player that he was was really only a flash. So it's not fair to put a standard on him where it was really a short period of time. But if Lonzo Ball is able to recover and get himself back to an NBA NBA floor, that that would be an amazing thing. Of course, he would be the first. He would be the first, I believe, to ever have a cartilage replacement surgery and then resume playing NBA basketball. So that 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 speaks to you know me being hopeful and everybody else being hopeful, man. Positive energy towards people who you know are putting their best towards trying to be and pursue their dreams. So I do hope that plays out well for them. I don't want to continue because, you know, we don't do that. Yeah, yeah, Over, Overexpose Chicago. Yeah, but yeah. it is going to be interesting as we speak on what we now seeing the NBA to be currently with this, basically like a, a, a third of the season gone because most teams have played 30 games in the 82 season. That's a third of the season. Mm-hmm. You kind of have an idea of who's at the front of the race and what you need to do to be competitive with them. Um it's interesting because New York is right in that 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 crowded market. It's New York, Indiana, Brooklyn, and Chicago, and they all and then Cleveland right there too. They all have like different versions of some of the same problems going on. We're just not quite good enough, but we have elements that make us really good. New York, really good defensively. Cleveland, really good defensively. Indiana, really good offensively. Brooklyn, young talent that's able to stay in games based on the fact that they're pretty consistent. You know, Claxton is a is an A level defender. Can't, you know, the the two cams that they have on the team, they can give you buckets. You know, Bridges is consistent. They're you know they're you're not gonna knock them out. Yeah, but, but they're Bro- also not gonna knock you out. Yes, and but I think Brooklyn made their big trades uh, is to get those young pieces. So I think mm-hmm. Brooklyn's gonna sit still. Yeah, I'm but, pretty sure Brooklyn is content to be what they are. Exactly. They want to sh- figure out what those guys can do. But I and think... hopefully, you know, that results in... And I'm not saying this, but you, let's just give... Hopefully, Scam Simmons is able to get well. I do want to see him return to the floor by the end of the season and hopefully be in a position where he can, you know, be healthy. I'd rather him go out healthy and it just be that he didn't... He wasn't good enough than him hurt himself out of the league. Anyway. Oh, I know you had him on your fantasy team. I forgot. No, I don't have him on my fantasy team anymore. Just oh. for that, just for that main reason. <laughs> uh, because I, once they said he was out with what nerve damage, I was Impingement. like, yeah, I was like, he's not coming yeah. back. Because again, even if that 
regardless of how I feel like he's scammed his way through the, his career or whatever, mm-hmm. that when you talk about nerves, that could be anything. So you mm-hmm. don't even want to play that game. Mm-hmm. You don't want to play that game. So again, mm-hmm. talking about a fantasy basketball league, no, that don't mean mm, get rid of them. You know, because you're not going to sit. And actually, that, but that goes to a lot of these teams that are below the line and, and not really have a real sense of direction. You got to get rid of these. You got to figure. You got to. Teams have to move. And honestly, you have to move because you staying still. You've already seen seasons like that. You got to figure out if Charlotte has any pieces that they're interested in um, getting rid of. Uh, you have to also see uh, what about, you know, like you said, uh, Charlotte, the Bulls, the Wizards, all those below, bo- bottom of the barrel guys and teams mm-hmm. that are not doing anything promising. You got Toronto. Get- Toronto has got to figure something out. Yeah. You've got Siakam. You've got OG. You've got Scotty Barnes. You've got three versions of the same player. Yeah. All on the court, and sometimes they can't all be on the court together. And one of them is is, is about to be thirty, or is thirty. Mm-hmm. That's Siakam. Yeah, you move. I think you move Siakam. But I here's think... the problem: you move Siakam. <laughs> well, what can you get for him? Not to say he's not worth anything, because I don't want to, you know, play him. I'm not trying to play him, but it's like. I think, I think that's why Toronto has held on to him because it's like, what is your expected return value on a guy like him? He's no. hard to, to get a market for. I, I, I think it's very, very difficult. I think there's going to be some teams out there that will try to figure out if they can get a, a four who can stretch the floor, an all-star who can create his own shot, who can play somewhat relatively – Decent defense. I just don't know who that team is when I start thinking I about think, it. Maybe I Dallas. Think but... Morey, I think Daryl Morey is looking at Toronto and he's just waiting for them to tell him that they'll take Tobias Harris off their hands because he's an expiring contract. Hmm. And Toronto, yeah, I can see position. that. You give, you give, you give Toronto Tobias Harris a pick, and I don't know. One of those young players or one of those players that's playing good but not getting a lot of minutes in Philly. Like mm-hmm. you might see Kelly Oubre moved again, that type of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Or uh Melton. Mm-hmm. I but can I see definitely that. Think, I definitely see you, you, you package, yeah, you at a pick. Because that's what Toronto needs. They need a pick. Yeah. But the problem is is that I don't know how many there's no Philly has to have be holding on a pick from some other team to be able to put it in Toronto's face and say, Y'all need to take this. Because Philly is going to be – their draft picks are going to be in the bottom end of the first round until Embiid is no longer there. So you're taking a first-round pick from Philly, what are you getting, the 27th, the 26th, the 24th, the 25th pick yeah. in the first round? No, it's not making much sense. And if you look at how draft picks have been panning out recently, I don't know how many players in the bottom, the bottom 10 of the first round have really pushed the needle recently. As far as like the, the impact they've had on the league, or just as as basketball players, I'm not saying they're not good players, but like it's just been I, I don't I don't want to say that the draft has kind of been figured out, but it really has become top heavy. So taking a pick, Toronto probably needs to, and they probably need to get something from that salary just to free up the slot. They're mm-hmm. not going to be in the free agent market. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. It's just curious because I feel like Toronto, like you said. One of those in one of those situations where they're stuck. Atlanta, 
Man. Talk about mediocre. They've been mediocre since their existence. It's, it's crazy that everybody was like, ah, they finally got rid of John Collins. I was tired of him. Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. The yeah. one person that Trey Young had guaranteed assist to, you took off the floor. Yep. And they were never replaced them. They were leading the league in alley oop assists for the past three years, I believe. Mm-hmm. So you take away a given play from a player who really only has two moves when he goes to the basket. Trey Young is either going to give you a floater or he's going to throw the ball at the rim to a big. Mm-hmm. And John Collins was Mr. I'll go get anything. Pretty much. You take that out of the offense along with the fact that as long as he's on the floor, no matter who you partner him with, you're not going to be a good defensive team as soon as you have. Hey, but they got Quinn Snyder as a coach, you know? He coached the Jazz. They were the number one defense back when he had, you know, Rudy Gobert. Now we're really starting to see. You know, we, we, we say it all the time, and we give certain guys credit for things, and then you have to really go back and look at who they coached and realign the credit. Where Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert goes, a top 10 defense follows. It's just truth. No, I'm definitely I'm, – I'm not disagreeing with that. So, you know, but oftentimes coaches get that credit. Remember there was a time when Mike Brown was the hot young coach back when he was the coach of the Cavs? <laughs> and then, and then like, the, he, he got, quote, unquote, exposed when LeBron left. And then that kind of forced him to become an assistant. And then he rebuilt his name. And now he goes to Sacramento. And what is he in Sacramento? He's an offensive coach. Mm-hmm. But he was a defensive coach when everybody got to know him when he came from the Spurs tree. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. I, it's just a funny algorithm how how your reputation gets well, flipped around on you. You have to sometimes to, to create that. I mean, obviously, you see what type of offense the, the players he has in Sacramento. They're not defensive mm-hmm. players, so you got to become an offensive minded coach if you want to keep a job. You mm-hmm. know, so but you, you also you also you also um, ate Steve Kerr crumbs for five years, so you mm-hmm. definitely learned a lot about offense from just being in that situation and understanding how easy it is to generate when you think from an offensive perspective. So you come from the Popovich tree where he teaches defense being the root of everything and you get stops and then you can do everything else. No, this era of the NBA, if you could score, then you could do everything else. As long as we know we can score, we in a game. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a great offense and let our defense catch up to us. Whereas you look on the opposite side of the spectrum, what do you have? The Knicks. We have a great defense. And we'll hopefully have our offense catch up to us. And mm-hmm. that's where I think the, the Knicks have their problems. Because anytime the Knicks click and push over a buck 25 or somewhere in that range, it's very hard to beat them. Mm-hmm. They're going to get enough stops. Yeah. But if you, if you are punching them and you play them in that 110 to 115 range, that's a winnable game for either team. So, and that also goes for the Lakers. The Lakers have no identity. You know, they just win enough games to, to, to get on, on people's nerves, but they don't really dominate. They dominated the in-season tournament, but since then, their reflection has been what they've always been, an inconsistent team. They, Darvin Ham is starting all types of – he, he, he started a lineup with no point guard. He went back to 
This is how weird it's gotten in LA. He put out a Frank Vogel lineup. There was a game where LeBron, Cam Reddish, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, Torian Prince, and Anthony Davis were the starting five. We're going to roll out all this. Christmas, he did this. So I'm bring out all this defense against this vaunted Celtics offense. And the Celtics was up like 20 in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then the Lakers came back and made it a game because the Lakers are the NBA's worst team in the first quarter. The worst team in the league in the first quarter. Yeah, that's crazy. I I just saw a stat that says actually the, the Lakers, I think, have only led after the first quarter like less than 10 times. Something yeah. like that. It's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Like, and that is a reflection, and I'm sorry to say it, but that is a reflection of your team's preparedness to compete at the start of a game, which is critical. I'm not saying you always have to be a, a good start, but you can't always be playing from behind. That's not healthy because there's a certain level of energy that you engage in coming back when you're losing that you cannot recoup. See, Gray, you know, I know we played together. We down 10. And this is the park. Forget being on an organized court. This is the park. Game 21, we running up and down the court, switch at 10, whatever the case may be. We down five points. Just call it five points. Each point is a basket. Mm -hmm. We get five stops in a row and score five times. The energy we just put out to tie the game, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's ta- it's taxing because depending on how the next after you tie, depending on what happens, because a lot of times when you exert all that energy to tie, if the other team either is going to fold and you're going to keep rolling or there's going to be the time where that team that wakes them up and then mm-hmm. they hit a couple of baskets and then you might not be able to maintain that that rhythm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it definitely it definitely has happened. You know, you see it a lot, so that's definitely never, never not the case. Listen, I, we've I, I've been on the court, made a great comeback, and like the most fun part of the game was the comeback. Mm-hmm. Because like, yo, so I'm dead tired, bro. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I ain't even mad if they hit the shot. Like, <laughs> I just wanted them to know it wasn't gonna be easy. I'm, I, I'll take the moral victory. I'm not a pro athlete, but pro athletes they gotta win that game, and. You know, your best player on your team is pushing 40. So the Lakers, listen, man, they're, they're, they're back in that, that same realm. They're capable of anything. Right now, they're not looking good. They're looking real average and mediocre. And it's going to be tough in the Western Conference. But speaking of average and mediocre in the Western Conference, Houston is now the ninth seed. And Phoenix is at 500. And they're the 10th seed. And what is the reports coming out? Kevin Durant is... <laughs> I don't even know if it's accurate. But it's being reported that Kevin Durant is, is reportedly uh, what annoyed. Is that what they're saying? Is getting frustrated. Is getting frustrated. 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 Okay, he's getting frustrated. But I think also I think it's the fact that you have you don't really you have your your top what they consider top heavy. You have Bradley Beal, who's unfortunately been nursing some injuries. Your team's who, not healthy. Your team's not healthy, and that's the biggest point. Is a guy like Kevin Durant. Who wants to win and wants to get and he understands the importance of getting getting the team together and playing together mm-hmm. and getting that chemistry. 
Mm-hmm. You're not having that, so that is frustrating because, mm-hmm. hey, the 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 roster that we have that we're using, I'm getting maximum effort, but this is not good enough because these are players that their maximum effort is not going to move the needle. I need the well, guys I mean, that we spoke about this in the few times we were able to get together in the off season and and, and right when the season started, we had our opportunity to have a conversation. Phoenix is the is the Cam and Mace podcast. It is what it is. They they have one way traffic over there in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Can't move nobody, and it's very difficult for them to bring in somebody because the guys that they bring in are the ones that get EBT cards and free bread. And I don't mean money. Mm-hmm. I mean literal like free loaves of bread. Like that's what Phoenix Suns can offer you to play for that team right now because of how their salary cap is being consumed. That's how that team is assembled. The logic of that team is mind-blowing. Let's go get Frank Vogel, a defensive coach, when everything we've got on the court is firepower. How yeah, do you crazy. have that team and then – that coach, and you don't say, you know what, yo, I know you may not like us for doing this, but yo, we're gonna bring Mike D'Antoni. You need a, you know. Mm. Let's take let's take some stress off of you and, and let him put an offense together while you worry about the defensive principles, Frank. But because that's how the Lakers won their title. Jason Kidd ran the defense. I mean, Jason Kidd helped run the defensive offense when they were in the bubble to, to help counteract the things that, that Frank Vogel wanted to do. They won. Soon as you remove Jason Kidd from that, he gets his head coaching job in in um in, da- in Dallas. All of a sudden, Frank Vogel can't coach no more. There are certain coaches who need great assistance, and mm-hmm. I think that's part probably part of why Phoenix is suffering the way they have because the staff that they have. Because I remember remember when they did that when they brought in Jason Kidd that we spoke about. Oh man, that's a you know you got Jason Kidd. He can cut you from underneath your legs. You know if he wants the job, all he got to do is continue to make you look bad. He is a California kid. He didn't really do that, but he kind of did that. But he was able to parlay that into his own job. And now you got Frank Vogel, who, you know, was finally able to get some NBA credibility back, get himself back on a team. He's got supposedly the best offensive talent available to a, a coach right now in the NBA, all on one team, and they're 500. In my regards, I think it's remarkable that they're 500 with the lack of continuity they had. But mm-hmm. I don't think that that's going to be enough to to move the needle. Employed. Yeah, right. no, no. And again, that that's the thing. You have a lot of these teams that really don't know what they're planning on doing. I mean, what 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 is their you know what's their plan? And that's going to be the, that's the problem. That's the problem. So, so many teams. They need to be. Do you think Minnesota's for real? I mean, are they a legitimate contender to win the Western Conference? No, I mean, the only thing I want to talk about. No, I just feel like I feel like there's something missing with them, and I really don't know what it is. I mean, I don't know if it's because on paper, I just honestly, I just don't know enough about their coach, and I don't know seeing him in pressure situations to where, Mm. um. He could make those that's adjustments. That's what this is boiling down to. Because because you, you, you look at see like Minnesota tested. Yeah, you got to see Minnesota tested because again, last year, remember a few years ago, they were celebrating the, winning a playing game. 
Like it was like the NBA Finals. But they, but they also have had Pat Bev on that team, and Pat, Pat Bev is the NBA's biggest gaslighter. Exactly, but again, when when also when he when it happened, they were winning and it looked it looked great. He left, they weren't winning, and now all of a sudden, boom! This year they come back and they're winning, and they're winning like effectively. Now, granted, Anthony Edwards has make had has taking another sleep, you know, because he's he seems like he's very more efficient defensively. He's picked it up somewhat, and mm-hmm. again. The, them getting more comfortable with each other. That Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert and Cat dynamic is starting to figure out what works best. How does that work best for both parties? Well, well, well what's happening and what's working best is Carl Anthony Towns is actually giving intelligent effort on defense prior to this year, because I, I went back and watched. Carl Anthony Towns would get credit for being present on defense, but not actually being present. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're out there, and you're doing things that make it look like you want to compete, but you're doing them so wrong that it's not helping. So your rotations are going in the wrong direction. You're leaving people open that shouldn't be left open to trap unnecessarily. You know, Now everybody seems to have fallen in line to where it makes sense to be around Ruby and where they can be effective as defenders, and, and, and it's something to watch. It's something to watch because, again – you know, we, we, we talk about how much the game has changed, but one thing hasn't changed about the game. If you can't get to the rim consistently, it messes up your offense. It's a fact. And you're not going to get to the rim consistently against a team where Rudy Gobert is waiting for you in the middle. And they've been able to employ all of these different versions of drop coverage where Rudy Gobert is able to literally protect the rim. It, it kind of looks like, like I said, I went back and watched it. If you remember how Boston turned the switch on when, when they had Udoka and then they had um, Time Lord, just he was always near the rim. No matter who he was guarding, he was always able to switch down so that that last play at the rim, it was you versus him. That's what Minnesota is pulling off now. So when you're able to do that with your backline defense and ensure that the guy that you're going to meet at the rim is somebody like Rudy Gobert who's going to give you what some of the best field goal percentage defense at the rim in the league, you can compete. Mm-hmm. compete yeah so it's going to be interesting to see like you said I feel like you can't take Minnesota out of the equation when they're able to play defense as well as they can but I feel like you said if their coach is not prepared to make adjustments for what these nasty schemes that coaches come up with in the playoffs to really expose you are yeah we could be looking at another paper champ and there's always one every year. Unfortunately, last year it wasn't in Milwaukee. Milwaukee was the paper champ, right? Best record in the Eastern Conference, only to 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 to, to lose in the first round. Yeah, but you know that's so what every. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, but you also knew that. Then when they when they drew up Miami, you knew what was going to happen. Well, you didn't know. But you, but Miami. But everything that Miami needed to happen for Miami it. to win happened. Because exactly. Once Giannis got hurt in that, that that game one, the series is different. Exactly. The series is different. That tilt. I mean, let's just be real. That that tilted that series, but at the same time, when you are a number one team in your conference, you cannot be so vulnerable that your best player causes you to not be able to even really be competitive in games. Because mm-hmm. those games that they lost, when one he got hurt and then didn't play, they weren't close. And that usually means that you're not insulated by your secondary players. So 
I don't know yeah. if a situation like that really exists for Minnesota unless somebody like Rudy gets hurt. Because if you lose Rudy, mm-hmm. then you essentially lose your defense. Everybody else, but you know what the the, the, the scheme is in, in, in the playoffs against Rudy. Mm-hmm. You put somebody mobile on him, you make him guard somebody who can shoot. So typically what that was, remember when the Clippers went small and shot him out of the series? Because he mm-hmm. couldn't rotate down into somebody small. And yeah. Terrence Mann hit like, what, six or seven threes or something crazy like that? After, yeah, at that point, it just started getting ugly for him. But that's the biggest thing. So, again, we have to, we have to see if Minnesota gets punched in the face what they decide to do. If they, if they can do anything, that might be the biggest issue. They might not be able to do anything. But we'll see. Tom will tell me the fact that they have pretty much, what, the best record in the league? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, well, Boston's, Boston's like a game better than them. Yeah, but they have the best. I mean, the best record in the West. Can that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, can they? I think they can keep at the rate they're going. Yeah, they can keep. They can keep the a top four seed. That's safe, you know, unless they have a drastic second half of the season decline or something like that, or somebody gets injured. But going in to the first half of the season, they're they're a lot better than I expected. It wasn't even remotely close going into. The season, like, oh yeah, Minnesota to be a top three seed. That exactly. wasn't even on the radar. I'm kind of glad we didn't do preseason predictions because of what's happened. Oh, of I course. Because this, it would have just been like, oh, let's throw that episode in the trash now. But to to rewind the tape back, just to to wrap up the whole Minnesota situation, um, let's say Minnesota is this year's version of the Dallas Mavericks that ran into the We Believe Warriors. It's this year's version of the mm. Sonics that ran into the Dikembe Nuggets. Mm. It's uh, the Budenholzer Hawks that won the Eastern Conference. All of those teams got to the playoffs and, like you said, got punched in the mouth and never recovered or didn't recover fast enough to avoid going home early. When you are the number one seed in your conference, you have a beeline to your conference finals. Anything other than getting to your conference finals as a number one seed, you're on record now, is a failure. Do we agree on that? Make it to the number one seed in your conference, you should be there on the other side come conference finals time. Based on your performance, you, you, you don't think that that's a fair expectation? Uh, this year, I wouldn't say so. Other years in the past, just because the top three teams – Two of the top three teams in the West have never been remotely close to anything like that. So you got Oklahoma City and Minnesota. Like, Minnesota's the number one seed. Then you got Denver. Then you have um, OKC. With Minnesota, uh, I won't look at their season as a failure if they don't get to the Western Conference Finals. Now, if they get eliminated in the first round, absolutely. But not the, if they don't get to the Western Conference Finals. Same thing with Oklahoma City. If Oklahoma City is playing with house money, we're not even allowed to talk but that's about what, them. But that's what, but I'm, what I'm saying is that's why I'm saying this year I think that's different because so far yeah. the two, the two, the two teams, two of the three teams, yes, like a team like Denver, if they finish the number one seed and they don't get to the West Conference, yes, because you say, wait a minute, they will, they're the defending uh, champs, blah blah blah. I'm a proponent, go ahead. I think go ahead. that that becomes a failure for them because it's like, hey, once you win the championship. And you pretty much bring back a lot of your key players. You mm-hmm. you kind of want to get to the Western Conference Finals, especially if you finish with the number one seed. You, you want to get back to the final. Denver's exactly. goal. Denver, okay, a defending champion 
fails if they do not return to the finals. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that's fair enough to so say. So these, these, these are the thresholds that like I'm kind of like, especially a defending champion like Denver. Denver is a team that actually is openly trying to win another championship. I'm not yes. going to hold them to like, you know, the Bulls that broke up and then the team that followed when Michael Jordan retired. They obviously weren't trying to go back to the finals when they were willing to say that the last day of the Bulls can all go home. Minnesota, mm-hmm. Boston, Milwaukee, if they happen to do it. Um, those one and two teams, if you clear the board, in your conference, you're far and away, not the old West, where remember there was years in the West where everybody was 51 and 31. And the guy who was the actual number one seed wasn't only, wasn't really the number one seed, but they were because they had a tiebreaker. That mm-hmm. type of, if, it, if it's that type of congested, no, I'm not going to hold everybody to the, oh, you're the number one seed, so you should get to the, to the conference finals. But Minnesota outside of Denver is probably going to clear the conference by like three to five games. Yeah. You should, you should get to the, you should get to your conference finals. You should get to your conference finals. If you convincingly take your conference three to four more games than everybody else, you should get to your conference finals because you've established dominance in your conference. Again, regular season is misleading. Absolutely. But that's what I'm saying. That's the pressure that I believe should be the weight that that carries. That's what I'm saying. From my perception, uh, my perspective as a fan, that's the way I that's the fly, that's the flame that I'm holding Minnesota's feet to. Y'all so want to go, go out from and be the no best play, team in the West? They go from no playoffs last playing, year. Playing. Play, okay. Damn. Okay. Well, the playing. And two years prior, they were in the playoffs. Okay. And now they go to number one seed, and now you're expecting to be Western Conference when they haven't. And again, you said playoffs, they weren't winning. So it's not like we, we got to multiple rounds, we mm-hmm. got to the second round, we got to the, you know, mm-hmm. we, we saw some flashes of, I think for Minnesota, I think they have to look at it like, this is a, this is not a failure. It's a failure if we don't get the first round, but it's not a failure if we get to the second round and we play a team like um, the Clippers or, a team like, you know, let's just say, let's say Denver falls down to the fourth seed. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think it's a failure if you lose in the second round to the defending champs? Yep. As a season? Wow. Yep. From, you from know Minnesota. Why? You know okay. why? See, see, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. We're moving, we're moving the goalposts because it's Minnesota because they, this is Correct. uncharted territory for them. And we can't. No, you have to. No. We don't have to. We're just electing to because we're trying to do the fair thing. And see, Grant, this is why I'm saying you're not wrong for your perception, and I'm not trying to change it, but this is why I have this strong argument against why Minnesota requires to have the flame to their feet. How old is Rudy Gobert, see, Grant? Yeah, he's old. Okay. Well, okay. No, I think it, okay. Then, 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 the, then the question is the coach has to go at that point. No, I mean, okay, yes, right. So you're, that, you're correct. so, so yes, yeah, so, so Minnesota might not necessarily say it's a failure, but for that coach, hey, you got us the number one seed, and we could get to the rest of the conference finals. Mm, it's not a <laughs> failure, but you gotta go because Rudy Gobert's getting older, Cats getting older. We don't want to waste Anthony Davis's, uh, Anthony Edwards' prime. Like, yes, that coach, he has to look at it like, if I don't get to the Western Conference Finals, I don't have a job. 
That's I definitely a thousand percent agree with you when it comes to that aspect. Because that you know, franchise that? with what they've done, the assets. What is it? First of all, what's the coach's name for Minnesota? Like Chris Finch. Finch. We're not gonna do Finch. this again. We did that last episode. So, because look his name. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm prepared now. Homework. All right, son. <laughs> Tell your man Finch. Yo, <laughs> the seat is warm. If you get to the number one seat, the seat. He don't have a seat. So you better stand up. The shoes. He's in standing room only. That's why the team is playing like this. Son, he has yo. He don't. You don't understand. <laughs> he's his. Yo, it's a wrap for him. Don't even come back. Don't even Factory, do exit no retail. Window, That's what I'm trying nothing. to establish and make you so, understand. So, so yes. when it happens, okay. I'm so when we start the seeing the cabbage on the, the floor, team. A, 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 uh, Alex the Rodriguez, team? who's a new owner, mm-hmm. he's gonna look at it like. Okay, I wanted to get to West Coast Finals. It's not a failure, but that coach got to go. Now I need a coach who can get us over the top. <clears throat> exactly. Yes. So the coach Finch, it's a wrap for you if you don't get if you don't get to Western Conference. It might be a wrap for you depending on how you play in the Western Conference Finals. It might be a wrap for you if y'all have a bad second round exit. No, I know. Let's see. No, if he doesn't get to the Western Conference Finals, it's a wrap for him. Okay, cool. So I, 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 I'm like, I'm a thousand. Like, as a Minnesota, as a team, ownership, Anthony Edwards, y'all, Rudy Gobert, you ain't used to winning. So you got Anthony Edwards. You got a couple uh, more seasons. Uh, again, so, so let's, so let's, so, so, let's, so yeah, so so it's different. It's a different so dynamic depending on how you're looking at it. From the players on the team perspective, Anthony Edwards is ascending into his prime. Yes. He's got only quote unquote the best to look forward to. Absolutely. Cat is in his prime. Yes. So all he wants to do is play for as long as he can play for the highest possible stakes he can play for. Rudy yes. Gobert is looking at the other side of his career and knows that these are probably that window where he can still be what he is as far as dominant on the defensive end. He knows that is changing. Yes. There's only a, a I don't want to put a cap on it, but there's only a, a, a span left for him. He's yes. not. He's not looking forward to. We got about two years. years. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. His upside so, is not Anthony Edwards. No. And the Timberwolves leverage his prime and all of the assets that come with his prime into yes. a win now window. When they yeah. said push the button, we want Rudy Gobert. They were saying we want to find our way to the finals with what we have. Whether or not the coach agrees with their sentiment, he signed up for it, and like you said. Like you said, and like you're starting to see, even if that city doesn't have that expectation because they're what? They've only been to the Western Conference Finals once. And that was the that was the Garnet Sell Spreewell era. Yeah, it was, it was like 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. So the fans some of their fans so they, around for right. that. Right. So they're in a situation where, like you said, they're in a city and a culture where winning at an extended, extended stay in their basketball team is not something that they're used to. But you can forget all that. Because when you look at the situation that that franchise is in, with literally no assets, mm-hmm. there, it's not like they can go out and say, "All right, well, we got this guy so, going okay. draft in this this draft, and he's going to develop along alongside Anthony so, Edwards." They don't have okay. a core they can build. Okay, so let me ask you this: If they don't get to the Western Conference Finals, mm-hmm. are you looking to get rid of some of those players? 
You have to, because guess what? Mm. Mike, Mike Conley is, is 53 years old. Yeah, oh, just a fact. He 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 been old since for about fifteen Mike years. Mike Conley played with Greg Oden. Yeah, you see Greg Oden. Yeah, yeah. On the same college team, Greg uh-huh. Oden's coaching. Now, mind you, Greg Oden had an abbreviated career, but it's just giving you perspective. Yeah, listen, Mike Conley. Greg Oden got drafted with Kevin Durant. Listen, Mike Conley got. Most people don't realize Mike Conley at one point was the highest paid player in the league. Correct. Most people don't even remember that. I think was it a five year, hundred fifty million, fifty three million dollar deal he yeah, got, exactly. and that was something nice. Well, and listen, yeah. by the way, Mike Conley is not a bad NBA player. This is not shade oh, on no, Mike no. Conley. Oh no, this no. is just this is just the reality juice of what Minnesota is dealing with with that team. Like this so version of them is not sustainable just by the nature of who they are. So, so you're saying if they don't get to the Western Conference Finals. You're gonna have to get rid of Cat because that's the only asset you have that you're gonna get rid of because you're not Are giving you rid of anything else. Are you gonna run it back? Well, you can't because you have to get a different uh, point guard. Mike Conley's not gonna be there, but you have well, to. Could. You, you could run he him could. back. He's but you have you have okay. You have to do that. You can't just blow up that team. And guess what? He's the second highest played, play, third highest played player on that team. Well, you give Anthony Davis. I mean, give Anthony Edwards. Uh, yeah, he'll rookie deal. Yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll yeah, he'll get the Superman. So that's not, else. you know, yeah, yeah. So, but, but even right now, you have to make, make it twenty-five million, just about. Oof. That man, big shout out to his, his pops. I think it's pops. Is, I think it's pops' yeah. agent. Yeah, but big Mike Conley, the 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 long the what was he a triple jumper? Shout out to him. He won the dunk contest back in the Reebok era. Always won a gold medal in the Olympics. Yeah, I always was a fan of his. So shout out to that whole family. I ain't listen. I ain't never mad at somebody who went to O State and did their thing. So listen, yeah. I ain't mad at nobody getting their bag and being and being very quiet. You don't have nothing about them. Right, right. Not a story you could write about Mike Conley that involves some some real NBA negativity. And you know he's been a, a, a real sta- stable person for every franchise that he's been a part of, whether it be that era that he did in, Minnesota, in um, Memphis to, to what he's doing now in Minnesota and even briefly when he was in Utah. So mm-hmm. all the credit in the world goes to Mike Conley for being a um, But okay, a but, let's, but let's, let's, let's get back to this. I'm saying you can't blow it up. I'm saying you got to get rid of the coach and you got to run back with a new coach that situation. You're saying if you don't get out the if you don't make the Western Conference Finals, not only you get rid of the coach, you got to blow the team up. Ooh, I'm saying wait. that they're in a position that they can't even do that. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, Cat, only- you have to give it. Cat is your only asset that you can that has value. Listen, I'm not even speaking to assets, liabilities, none of that. I'm saying that the Timberwolves, as they're constructed. The only way that they can improve in theory is you let Mike Conley go and what'd you say? Flip Carl Anthony Towns? Because Carl Anthony Towns is going into a contract that nobody in the league wants. Remember we discussed this earlier. He's about to enter into one of the nastiest extensions available to mankind. Mm. So flipping Cat is... Cat stock was the highest when Gobert wasn't playing that much and Cat was still giving you 25 and 10. Now he's not doing that and he's comfortable. Carl Anthony Towns is happily going to be the what whatever most paid player he is in the league 
without having any of the BS to have to deal with by being the franchise player. Mm-hmm. Show me the money. His upcoming contract extension, which starts in the year 24-25, is going to pay him 50, 53, 57, and a player option on his age 31 season for $61 million. Carl Anthony Towns is chilling. He is chilling. Good. If there's a team out there who wants to take on Carl Anthony Towns, someone who has done what he's done, which, again, is not a slight to him, he's just acquiesced to the fact that, hey, y'all saying this is Ant-Man team? And in order for us to win, from an offensive perspective, he needs to do, I'm cool. He, he's shown no, no voice of resistance. They went out and paid Nas Reed, gave him an extension, so they have a guy who they can slot right into replacing what Carl Anthony Towns gives them, but now they got to find a team that's willing to take him on so that they can turn a Carl Anthony Towns into two of players. And you can't do it right now because he's already signed the extension. So that means he's sitting on a contract right now where he's worth 37, 36 million, but the next season is worth 50. That's the difference between one player and two. At the least. So, yeah, if Minnesota does not get to the Western Conference Finals, even if they do get to the Western Conference Finals, we'll be looking to see where Carl Anthony Towns plays next. Because if they want to continue to sustain or get better, somebody's going to have to get moved. And with his contract, he's the bullseye's on him. So that's why I say, this is one of those teams where even though from a franchise trajectory perspective, the youth and so on and so forth, it looks like hey, they're on a they're on the ascension board, their window isn't as big as you think it is. And that's really what I wanted to to you know address. Um Oof. what are you watching? What did you just say? No, I'm just saying what you're saying. I'm just like, hey, you know what? Minnesota might be fool's gold, man. After number one seed. Who knows if they didn't go into training camp and say this might be the last time we all get to play together. Let's let's make it the best. Wow. It could be. It could be one of those seasons for them and we just don't know it. They seem to always have some silly storyline going on in the background. Anyway, remember Carl Anthony Towns had a story for every Timberwolves season? Oh, I think our um I think our postseason run against Denver was one of the most influential. Bro, y'all lost in the first round. Oh, I think us winning the play-in game was one of the most monumental things that happened. That's, bro. So, you know, maybe behind the, the 2023 season, there's going to be an amazing story that we hear later on. But Yeah, uh, we finished the number one seed in the West. Yeah, and they got finished by Phoenix in the first round. Oof. I can see or Houston. Or Houston. Another team, uh, another team that plays a lot of defense. You have mm-hmm. two teams that play a lot of defense, baskets become part of the gift. Yeah. You mess around and leave it, leave the opportunity for a Fred Van Vliet or, a, a, you know, brothers go light skin in the playoffs, man. Mm-hmm. Brothers go light skin in the playoffs, man. And it looked like Dylan Brooks got a little re- redemption tour he'd been on. I mean, even though the, mm-hmm. the, the Rockets have kind of like leveled off, you know, they're, they're the ninth seed now and they're a 500 mm-hmm. team. They, they they are going to compete every game at least. They're just really bad on the road. That's yeah. really their problem. They they oh, get away from fact. Houston and they stink. So if yeah, they it's can, almost reverse. 
yeah, if they can, if they can, you know, figure that out, that can allow them to at least be in the playoff conversation and, and be a legitimate threat. Because again, if you want to win in the playoffs, your road record has to be not the best, but you have to show capacity to win close to 500. Can't mm-hmm. be too off of 500 because if you're not reliable on the road, you're not going to be, you're not going to be expected to or capable of winning road games in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. Even the number one seed has to go on the road occasionally and win a road game because sometimes you have a letdown at home. And if you mm-hmm. can't even do that, like the way Golden State couldn't last year, you know, you put Golden State on the road, it was almost like chuck up the L. That's a fact. They were that bad on the road. Like, they were literally polar opposites on the road, I think. So, yeah. Um, and it, look at Denver. Just hanging around. And now... Uh, Hopefully, Anthony, I mean, not Anthony, but Aaron Gordon gets well. Apparently, his dog bit him up. Yeah, that sounds crazy. Yeah, y'all NBA players, y'all find new and creative ways to stay injuries every year. It's always going to be something. I'll never forget the year I heard that what John Wall was trying to get an extra piece of turkey towards Achilles. Yeah, that sounds crazy. Yeah. That sounds crazy. Yeah, so you you never know where, where fate can strike. But, um... Golden State had a little uptick during the Draymond Green suspension era, and um, it looks like that is kind of leveled off too. You know, Clay Thompson had a two-game, three-game renaissance where he was actually playing, like you know, a credible NBA two guard, and then it looks like they Golden State can't seem to just. What's your take on that, man? Do you think that they'll be able to to figure it out and, and get into the playoff conversation, or are we um, for them? I think this is definitely towards. I think it's going towards the um, towards the window. Definitely, the curtains are starting to close. The credits are starting to roll. They they're queuing up the fat lady to start singing uh, because it's, because they haven't they haven't figured out how to allow the young players to blend in consistently with the older vets. I mean, you got Andrew Wiggins, who's probably going to be looking to be getting traded. They're going to look at they're going to be looking. I think they're going to be they're gonna trade also. Andrew Wiggins. I think they're looking for it because, again, what is he? His value they, is so low right now. But again, they have to. They have to do something if they want to sustain. Because oh, well, again, you they see, have to do something. They have the biggest payroll so, in the league. This what is four hundred exactly. And, and remember, Chris Paul's an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. So if you can mm-hmm. package Chris Paul and Andrew Wiggins to Chicago for Vucevic and Levine, you might actually be could, could you might want to do something like that. Maybe not because I have to see how the salaries match up. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying, like, overall, you can't stay where you're at and expect to make a huge run in the playoffs, let alone get to the playoffs because Steph is fighting every night. I mean, he's out there. <laughs> he's out there like, guys, come on. Like, how many motivational speeches we can use? How many times you can watch Coach Carter to remember the Titans? Like, bruh, this ain't going to work. I'm out here by myself. You know what I mean? And then the flashes of Clay, he's like, thank God, but he's like, can you do it again? No. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's the problem. They don't yo, have... Yo, Clay Mojo Dealer is inconsistent, bro. His yeah, Mojo Dealer is wild inconsistent. Like, yo, that Mojo you had, that Mojo you had two nights ago was perfect, but the Mojo you bought today, it ain't working, Clay. It ain't it. And I mean, they played with Miami last night, and, and Steph nor Clay could throw a rock in the ocean. So that was a bad. And that when that's bad when 
your best players have an off night because there's nobody else to say, no. okay, oh, I got you. I got you, dog. You know what? It ain't working. All right, play. Let's let's play. Let, let but, me get the rock. It's my time. Speaking on that young talent, I actually like some of those guys. You know, like I'm a supporter. I think Moody is a credible NBA player. Um, the kid okay. that they got playing now that they moved into the starting lineup, I don't know if he should be a long-term starter. I think that's more a reflection of just how piss poor um, Andrew Wiggins is playing. But uh, mm-hmm. the left-handed kid, he he's good. Oh, I, yeah. I, again, he's a serviceable guy. But, again, we're trying to win a championship. Yeah. These guys cannot be the main focal points. Yes, you could be seventh and eighth guys off off the bench in the rotation. Yes, is Peyton Junior but, back to play? Peyton the second. Um, I don't think so. I think he's still hurt. I believe he's still hurt. But that's the problem. That is the problem when you have players that are hurt and just and you're playing mediocre basketball because there's got to be some games early in the season that are very winnable for you. That the guys that that you take, but the problem is when you got guys that are hurt, they can't never get back into rhythm until it's almost too late for them. The season will be over by the time they find a rhythm, and then they'll try to now turn up when it comes to the playoffs. It's going to be nearly impossible. So, like we said, it's going to be like trying to come back during a game. You put so much energy in getting to a competitive level that. You can't you can't get to another gear because you've already gotten there. Yeah, and you got you got you know Kaminga and you got like you said Moody. Those are some of your young players that have showed um, they're trying to show some upside. But do they have? Do you feel like have... Chris Paul has unlocked them though? I feel like Chris Paul has definitely made those guys. I don't want to say look better, but he's definitely put them in positions to where they look a lot more like NBA players than they did when they were kind of like running like chickens with their heads cut off without him being on the floor. But not for, if I'm Golden State, Mm -hmm. I cannot accept 500 and be out out, out of the playing game right now, the playoffs started. So, so Golden State in needing to fix themselves is the problem. The fact that they're holding on to guys that just actually don't, or can't compete at the level you need to. I mean, obviously, Clay is having a subpar season. Steph is having a, a good season. Um, Andrew Wiggins is having a subpar season. Um, but I just feel like the Golden State way of winning has never been restored, even though they won that title when Clay came back. They were a top five on both sides of the ball team. You know, they were, you know, somewhere in the top three in offense and somewhere in the top five in defense, or top ten. Uh-huh. And then they, they've just consistently gotten worse and worse on defense. And I think that's the big problem, because their defense allowed them to absorb a lot of the goofiness that would cause their point differential to be so big. You know, they would beat you by 20 and have 15 turnovers. Usually you don't do that. Uh-huh. But Golden State was doing it night in, night out, because you could turn them over, but they could get back and stop you. So mm-hmm. now their point differential was 0.8, which, you know, basically means that their margin for error is, yo, Steph, if Steph sneeze, we're going to lose. Yeah. If Steph sneeze, uh, we're going to win. Like, there was no given to – there's no predicator that's going to determine success for them. And that's a tough place to be in when you have a team with that type of, you know, uh, salary situation going on. They're the most mm-hmm. expensive team in the NBA. And I think arguably the most expensive basketball team in history right now. 
So oh, of course. It's going to be it's it's going to be something to see when it comes to when these pieces start getting moved. So again, we started with the Knicks. We circled back to Golden State. We spoke about Chicago. You even mentioned the possibility of, you know, like a Zach Levine and Vucevic getting moved or something like that. I do think that there are going to be teams that are looking at the outside or near the bottom portions of their conferences, and they're going to be looking to start making deals to either formally back out of the race or to see what they can do to get into a better position to, I don't want to say win the race, but at least compete. Compete. Yeah, compete, for sure. Because right now, the way the way the West is 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 jammed up, and the way you described it, you got Denver, who you know they're the defending champs, so they stand yeah. in the category by themselves. Uh huh. Everybody else is like, I ain't scared of y'all. Uh-uh. And you got Memphis, who might find their way to five hundred. Oh yeah, Jaws on his way. Don't let don't let him get into a rhythm, and they they wheel off a good six seven game winning streak. That's definitely going to um, play into the fact of a lot of teams too. What decisions they do, I may that might make a team like uh, Memphis, or not a team like necessarily Memphis, but yeah, certain teams like Memphis or thinking that they, you know what, let's go see if we can go get a final piece, Jaws back, mm-hmm. and see if we can do something, right? Or you see the depending on if they go on a run like that, who starts dipping down, where. Mm-hmm. You know, you because start when seeing... you're when you're climbing, you're you're pulling people down, or exactly. you're knocking them off of their perch so that you can take their perch. So that's a fact. So right now they're five games away from Phoenix. Yeah, which and... give Josh some time. He's just he's what three and one since he came back. It's 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 interesting what what they got going on out west. I mean, and now James Harden is hardening again. Exactly. Where they are again taking advantage of that is also they won the eight last eight out of t- ten games, you know. So uh, again, you got, when you got the Clippers, this is now a top four seed. You know they're gonna just honestly, which just is get where talent wise they're 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 supposed to be. So exactly. they're supposed to they're supposed to be running down on Oklahoma City. Yes, and I'm pretty sure. From a mental perspective, they're probably not specifically targeting targeting Oklahoma City, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure they're looking at like you know, they're looking at Denver like yo, y'all not that far away either. Exactly, y'all food, so, everybody's food. And I don't even know what the Clippers' identity is from from a defensive perspective. We know what they do on offense. We know, we know. Oh, this did we go run seventy five pick and rolls, and if y'all dumb enough to leave somebody open, we gonna pass the ball to Kawhi and Paul George, and they gonna get an easy shot. So go ahead yeah. and play with us if you want. They're going to be in every game as long as those guys are playing to their base level standards. They are that good offensively. And mm-hmm. again, we all said Tyron Lue was one of those guys who's really good at figuring out things on the fly and, and salute to him. Because that situation looked nasty work in the beginning and he was able to rebound and keep that team together, absorb yeah, a, a losing streak and put them in the <laughs> Yeah, you but gotta yeah. Give, you gotta give it time. Um, so that's that's the point. Some of these teams are going to be players. It, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see because, like I said, and like 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 I when I brought them up, the time to move Carl Anthony Towns is it now? 
but the window to win with Carl Anthony Towns is now. Because I don't know what they bring in when they're able to move him or when they try to move him that allows that team to be a better version of a team that winds up being the number one seed in the conference. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so that's really where I'm at with them now. I, I feel like with all the things they got going on the external with A-Rod buying a team and all that, all that stuff is just like pomp and circumstance. From a basketball <clears throat> perspective, them being able to win, their window is really, is really narrow. And it's good that you get the opportunity like Kobe had to have two primes. Because remember, Kobe had two primes. He won titles in the early apex of his career with Shaq. And then he mm-hmm. was able to win title near the mid to end port- portion of his career. And it's rare that you're able to do that, to compete in two different eras of phases of your life as an athlete and still be, you know, in, in a position to possibly win a title. But that's what they look like they may be able to give Anthony Edwards. And if they are able to do do that, give him a run where he's young so he can get that, like, Tatum-like experience and actually get a taste of what it's like to play that meaningful basketball, maybe he does take that leap that, you know, our colleagues have said, that he's on pace to be the best player in the NBA. So it's going to be interesting to see if that develops because if he does do that, then you don't worry about losing Carlton Towns. But on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Views from the Clutch. But before I do, C. Grant, are there any other thoughts that you wanted to let out? Anything that you need to say? No, everybody just have a happy new year, and we'll see you um, in 2024. Indeed. On that note, please make sure that you follow and support us on any podcasting platform you find us. Leave us an email at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Instagram and Facebook. Happy new year, everybody. Peace. Peace.